Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. One of our core values as a church is biblical teaching. And today we're going to look at how God uses this kind of teaching, what we call uh, spirit-anointed teaching, Holy Spirit-empowered, inspired teaching as a catalyst to change lives. And this comes right out of the passage we're going to look at today. Uh, This truth comes right out of the beginning of the church. Uh, Let me start by saying something about the purpose of biblical teaching. Uh, Biblical teaching is not primarily about uh, dispensing exegetical information. Uh, It's not about my skill at holding your attention. Uh, It's not about a, a devotion to one particular style or method. Biblical teaching is not a lecture on some interesting theological ideas. The purpose of biblical teaching is to help Christ be formed in you. Someone says, my wife and I were ready to separate. I was ready to call a lawyer. And then I heard a message and I knew we couldn't go down that road. So we called a marriage counselor. Or someone says, I was ready to give up on the church. I felt so wounded and unloved. And I heard a message and it was as if God was speaking directly to me. You have no idea how that changed my life. Or someone says, I didn't know God. I was headed for an eternity apart from him. I can take you to the chair I was sitting in when God spoke to me and I became a Christian, where I gave my life to Jesus Christ. There is nothing in the world like this. We put this service online each week so that you can have an opportunity to learn from God's word in a way that changes human lives. That's why we do this. And we get our model for this in Acts 2, when Peter teaches the very beginning of the establishment of the Christian church. And what I want to do now is read through this passage, and I'll offer some commentary as we go through it. And then I want to talk about how we go about using teaching to change our lives. All right, let's look at Acts 2, starting at verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, when Peter starts speaking, he does so because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the disciples and they have spoken in languages that are understood by people from all over the world who are gathered there. And it says in verse 13 that many of those present sneered and said of the disciples, they've had too much wine. Like they're drunk. That's why they're doing this. So Peter says in verse 15, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, again, part of what we need to recognize here is the power of spirit anointed teaching, uh, because this is not the kind of crowd that a teacher uh, will look forward to addressing. The first issue he has to deal with is these people think the apostles have gotten plastered and they're out speaking in different languages. There's a book called Flowing in the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is true. uh, This is a true story from the book. 
a woman intended to give a prophetic word to a church, and apparently she meant to use the word Ichabod, uh, which is an Old Testament word that means the glory of God has departed. Uh, but she got a little confused. She didn't say Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. She got up in front of this church. She's going to give this prophetic word, and she said, the Lord would say to you, I've taken my spirit out of this church. Yes, I've written Michelob on the door. <laughs> now, when Peter has to address this crowd, they think it's a Michelob thing that's going on here. They think everyone's getting drunk. And this is his starting point. So as we're going through this, just keep in mind, this is the kind of uh, skepticism and hostility he's facing as he begins to teach. This is what the Spirit of God is going to have to cut through. Now verse 16. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. He's quoting the prophet Joel. He's saying, God has poured out his spirit. And of course, the remarkable sign of this is that people who once could not understand each other are now, are now able to understand each other. And he says the spirit is being poured out on all, both male and female. Not only men, but women, almost unthinkable for that crowd, will be prophesying, will be speaking on behalf of God to the people. And both young and old will dream dreams and see visions. All the old barriers that separated the human race, uh, ethnic barriers, linguistic barriers, gender barriers, generational barriers, all of those are just destroyed by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And now Peter is going to do the same thing that teachers have been doing for the last 2,000 years. He's simply going to tell the story of Jesus. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourself know. This man was handed over to you by God, God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Uh, these are marks of spirit-anointed teaching. Uh, Peter pulls no punches about their complicity in the death of Jesus. Uh, and he's very frank about human sin. But he's also very frank about hope. Our hope is found in Jesus. In fact, he uses a wonderful picture in verse 24 when he says, it's impossible for him to be held in death's power. It's like, just as it's impossible to hold back the child when the moment of birth has come, it's impossible for death to hold Jesus back. He was too filled with life. God has raised him up because death is just not strong enough. So on the other hand, you have this horrible news about our fallenness and our sin, and it's faced with brutal honesty. But on the other hand, you have this irrepressible hope that's based not on wishful thinking, but on the inevitability of the resurrection because death's just not strong enough to hold Jesus back. 
Look at verse 27 now. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. You have the great joy of life in Jesus. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. By the way, this is the key task of the apostles. At least five times in the book of Acts, it's referred to uh, the, the apostles being witnesses of the resurrection as the primary task of an apostle, uh, because that's our hope. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. The crucifixion and the resurrection are central to biblical teaching. Exalted to the right hand of God, uh, Jesus has been therefore exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And again, look at Peter's absolute uh, courageous frankness. He ends this message here. This Jesus whom you've crucified. Now, can you imagine for a moment the tension here? This is a major confrontation. And this is Peter, who not long before this, not only avoided confrontation, but denied Jesus. He said that he had never met him. And he did it three times. Now he's facing a crowd of thousands of people who were sneering and hostile and skeptical. And he not only tells them that he knows Jesus and identifies fully with him, he tells them about the crucifixion and the resurrection, but then he ends his message by saying, this Jesus whom you crucified. That's what the Spirit has done in his life. So what will the response be? Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice he doesn't say, go get your life straightened out and fix your problems, then be baptized. Peter has already experienced the life transforming power of the Spirit and he wants them, as God wants you, to experience the life transforming power of the gift of the Spirit. And you don't get your life straightened out before you do this. You simply repent, get baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he does the work of transforming your life with you. And I gotta tell you, this can happen for you today. It's as close as your heart and your mouth. And he goes on. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord your God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. 
Now look at this amazing response, verse 41, as the spirit is at work through the teaching of the word of God. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. God uses spirit-anointed teaching as a catalyst in spiritual transformation. In a moment, we're gonna look at what this means for you and me. What I find so incredible about this story is this is Peter who had denied Jesus when he was confronted, but now facing a crowd that's skeptical at best and hostile at worst, not only tells them he knows Jesus, he shares the good news of the gospel with them. What changed? The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And not just in Peter. In Acts chapter one, after his resurrection, Jesus tells the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The word power means being able or the capacity to do something. God has gifted each of us, you and me, with the ability to do things for him in this life. We call them spiritual gifts. One of those is evangelism or engaging people in spiritual conversations. Evangelism is the ability to communicate the gospel to others with simplicity, clarity, and effectiveness. People with this gift are always looking for relationships with others who are still on a journey of discovering who Jesus is and engaging them in meaningful conversations about faith. That could be in large groups like Peter or one-on-one -on -one over coffee. Now, not everyone has the gift of evangelism, but we all have the ability of God's spirit within us. And when you use the gift God's given you, it's a display of his spirit's power through you. If you're interested in discovering your spiritual gift, email me at scotthouse at blueoakschurch.org and I'd love to assist you. So the purpose of teaching is to help Christ be formed in us. Let's rejoin Matt and find out exactly how that works. Okay, now I wanna talk about how we go about using teaching for the transformation of our lives. And I wanna make some points from the passage we just looked at. Uh, the first point is this, biblical teaching or spirit anointed teaching became absolutely foundational for the church. When Jesus was giving the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he tells them, go into all of the world and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the part that often gets missed is what Jesus says next. He says, teaching them, teaching them to do what? Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not just to get everyone signed up to be a Christian. The Great Commission that Jesus gave is baptize people, make them disciples, and then teach them. Jesus' ministry was primarily a teaching ministry. He was involved in the renewing of people's minds and the, the formation of their souls. That was the, the fundamental thing Jesus did. And then he was crucified for our sins and he was resurrected in an expression of the strength in his life. And then he commissioned his followers to teach us to obey him in all things. Teaching was 
foundational to what Jesus did. And then he handed this off to his disciples and it became foundational for the church. In Acts 2.42, this verse we just read a moment ago, the first thing Luke tells us about the church is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And at the very end of Acts, the last verse, the last statement, Paul is in Rome and it says he does two things. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. From the very beginning to the very end of this story of the church in Acts, teaching is foundational. The people of the first century church devoted themselves to it. And then this is so critical. The purpose of teaching is not just to inform people. It's not just to have people who are really smart about the Bible. Because here's the problem with that. Have you ever known anyone who knew 10 times more of the Bible than the average person, but was not 10 times more loving than the average person? Now, it's a very good thing to be informed deeply about the Bible. That's necessary and important. But the ultimate purpose of teaching is not just that. The ultimate purpose of biblical teaching is to help Christ be formed in people. I wanna give you a picture of what needs to happen in biblical teaching. Uh, this is a line from a book by Garrison Keillor, uh, Lake Wobegon. Uh, he often talks about the church in Lake Wobegon. And there's a pastor of a Lutheran church in Lake Wobegon by the name of Pastor Ingfist. Uh, pastor Ingfist has a critic by the name of Uncle Val. And this is his critique of Pastor Ingfist's sermons. He mumbles, he murmurs, it's a lot of, on the one hand this, on the other hand that. He never comes straight out and says it. He never puts the hay down where the goats can get it. It's a lot of talk and there are many Sundays where I can't even remember what he said. I can't even remember where he started from. We never had that problem with old preachers. There, were, there was never a moment's doubt. It was repent or be damned. Uh, we need that. This guy, he tries to please everyone. Just once in a while, I wish he would raise his voice and pound on the pulpit so I knew he wasn't talking in his sleep. Now, the line that I like that I find particularly helpful is, put the hay down where the goats can get it. And here's what I think about that. Uh, there are some teachers who have a lot of hay. Uh, they have vast amounts of exegetical information. Uh, they're theologically educated. They may like to study ancient languages. Uh, they may be used to a, an academic environment. Uh, they can study for a long time. Uh, some teachers have a lot of hay, but they don't know the goats. They don't know what questions the goats are asking. They don't know what the goats are talking about. They don't know what the goats are thinking about. They don't know the language the goats use. And what's worse, they don't even know they don't know the goats. And they're often proud or kind of suspicious of teachers that are reaching a lot of goats. And they sometimes take that they're not reaching a lot of goats as a, a badge of honor. But the truth is, they don't even like the goats. And they forget that the first test of teaching is not what the teacher taught. It's what the learner learned. That's the test. They have a lot of wonderful hay, but they forget that they're just stewards of the hay. It's their job to know the goats and to love the goats and to stay up awake at night thinking of ways to get the hay down to where the goats can get it. 
Now, it's also true that there are sometimes very gifted communicators and they know the goats and they're very clever about the goats and they can draw a lot of goats and they can keep the goats attention, but they have no hay. They have nothing of substance to say. They don't study. They're uh, theologically uninformed. They don't take being immersed in scripture or being formed by it seriously. It's superficial. They have a lot of goats, but they don't have any hay to give them. And what's worse, they don't even know they don't have hay to give. But when you get someone who knows the goats and loves the goats and knows the hay and loves the hay and is able to get the hay right down where the goats can get it, that's biblical teaching. That's when God is at work. And that's what we strive for at Blue Oaks. We want people who have a lot of hay and we want people who are students of the goats who love them and wanna be with them. And when that happens, that's when lives change. And that's exactly what happens in Acts 2 when Peter teaches. Now, what I wanna do in the time that we have left is address this issue of how do I receive teaching in a way that will really transform me. If what often happens for people is they study a lot, they get a lot of information, but they can get off track with it. One of the classic statements Paul makes is knowledge puffs up. So often people gain knowledge, but it just puffs them up. Then how do I learn to receive teaching? How do I learn to study and so forth in a way that will uh, transform me? And I just wanna look at one thing that I believe is, is critical, it's absolutely critical. One thing and then we'll be done. And I just wanna look at one thing that I believe is critical. It's absolutely critical. One thing and then we'll be done. I must devote myself to learning in a repentant spirit. We must devote ourselves to learning, not to gain a lot of knowledge so that we can be proud about how much we know. I must receive teaching, I must learn in a repentant spirit. When I hear the Bible being taught, I must learn in a repentant spirit with a repentant heart. Remember when Peter finished teaching this very first spirit anointed message to a group of people, what was the very next thing Luke said about them? Take a look at it, it's in Acts 2, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. Ask yourself this question. Do I receive teaching as a student or as a consumer? Do I receive teaching as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus, hungry to know more so that my life can be changed? Do I place myself before the teaching of God's word, the reading of God's word, and allow it to judge my life and to change me? Or do I approach it as kind of a consumer? Several years ago, I was teaching uh, on a teaching team at another church, and so I wasn't the primary teacher like I am at Blue Oaks. Uh, well, there was one weekend when I had a lot of visitors who were coming to hear me teach, including some of my own family. Um, and I found myself thinking more than I ought to, more than is healthy, about what I was doing as a teacher. I was thinking, how are people rating me as a teacher? And after the service, a woman come up to me and said, you know, I've heard four of the teaching pastors here and I just want you to know you're my second favorite. And I said, real frankly, you know, when you start doing this kind of thing, 
this comparison kind of thing, this rating thing, this thing about like performance or like it's a, a movie that you're supposed to review, you do a disservice to the church and you do a disservice to me. So please don't tell me things like that, mom, okay? <laughs> Old story, I don't know if this is true or if this happened or not. There was a teaching pastor who was leaving his church and a woman in the congregation was very sad about it. And so uh, the pastor said, you know, don't be sad. I'm sure the next teaching pastor who comes along will be better than me. And she said, that's what they keep saying, but they keep getting worse. <laughs> Do I receive teaching as a student or as a con consumer? We must devote ourselves to learning in a repentant spirit. We must allow God to cut us to the heart if that's what needs to happen. Now, I read the Bible, I study the Bible, I listen to teaching, I read books and so on, and as best I can, I wanna cultivate a spirit of utter openness before God. It doesn't mean that I don't try to discern what's truth or where someone is off base. Of course we have to do that. It doesn't mean that if someone is teaching and they don't have a teaching gift, that, that that doesn't need to get addressed. That needs to get addressed. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if we're going to benefit from teaching, the starting place is I've got to receive it in a repentant spirit. I must ask myself this question. And again, this comes right out of the text. Look again at verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? They hear this message from Peter, they're cut to the heart, they hear it in a repentant spirit, and they're wide open, their defenses are down, and they ask Peter and the other disciples this wonderful question, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? This is the key question for us to keep in mind as we devote ourselves to teaching, to studying the word of God. How shall I respond? God, what, it is, what is it that you want me to do? You know, this is why we encourage you to take a next step every week. Now understand, this doesn't mean you always have to keep a to-do list of little tasks that you are working on, but because maybe what God wants you to do is just receive his love. Maybe he just wants you to rest. What this really means is, am I committed to learning in a spirit of humble responsiveness? I must learn in a repentant spirit, which means I must learn in a humble, responsive spirit. God, what do you want me to do? All right, I hope this has all been helpful as you consider how to be spiritually transformed through the teaching of God's word. Let me say a word of prayer for you and then Michaela will lead us in a closing song. Uh, God, we're thankful for your word and the power in it. And we're thankful for the times that we have to hear it being taught. And God, I pray that you continue to open our hearts and our minds to grow in knowledge of who you are and your love for us. And God, I ask, I ask that you change us, that you transform us as we learn in a repentant spirit, as we approach teaching this way. God, help us to ask that question. What do you want me to do? and to go out and do those things that you call us to do as a result of hearing your word. And God, I know that this is gonna to lead to so much joy and fulfillment and meaning and purpose 
in our lives if we do this. So help us with this, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.